0: Gosh, this world is a crazy place. The last six months, I've been just traveling across the country. I've been viewing people walking in stores, uh, people hiding behind masks. And and uh, I've just, I have just read, done research and, and just witnessed people and check the moods and just, just have just witnessed some crazy, crazy things going on in life. And... You know, uh, my, my biggest vision that I see that's going on right now, and it totally, really amazes me, is this thing about fear. We we all have it, obviously. And what I've been doing for the past three, four months is, every day I sit down when I wake up in the morning, I pour myself some coffee, and I start writing, reading the Bible. And my priority uh, right now is, when I read the Bible, is... Read some passages in regards to fear. A long time ago, somebody told me that the Bible had over 300, 300 passages talking about the uh, notion of being fearful, of not being afraid and trusting in God and the Lord and everything like that. So obviously, there's anywhere from 300 to 365, I'm told, passages in the Bible, which is kind of amazing because there are 365 days out of the year. So I have been reading passages over the last few months on what the Bible says about fear because it definitely has taken hold of our country and it concerns me and I just want to let you know what I found and what I think. So hold on to your hat. Um, I just read this this morning and it just hit very uh, deeply at home it is from Psalms 91 5 through 6 you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday I do not claim to be a medical expert my concern is that we as a nation and as believers and even the church have succumbed to this crazy excess of fear, which, you know, bespeaks of us really a spiritual problem. I do believe the medical concerns arising from the pandemic obviously are not without merit, but they're, they are not unprecedented. What is unique today is a collective paralysis brought on by this fear I'm just expressing my concern and to reiterate the constant biblical cry that I have read over and over and over. Do not be afraid. It seems that this has seized the entire world, calling all to ponder that Jesus came to destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who are all... Their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death, which is Hebrews two, fourteen and fifteen, which is pretty amazing. Because right now in our world, we're talking about slavery and and what has a, what people have done or what people have not done, and and how how miserable we all are, and we should be ashamed of ourselves. Uh, That slavery took place and and things of that nature over and over throughout history. But stop and think about these words. We're held in slavery by the fear of death. We're held in slavery by the fear of death. Wow. I cannot avoid concluding that many people indeed are in slavery through their fear of death. I see it all the time there seems to be no end in sight for the fear they feel no solution uh, other than a cure for this COVID-19 and watching the news only wow increases the anxiety exacerbates it tremendously as the media naturally focuses on the areas where things are not going well in our fight against the virus it has now become political politicized and commercialized because fear is recognized as one of the best ways to control people to attract viewers and to sell products. So I ask you now, what will it take to help people get their courage back? What is the end game that public officials have in mind? Will there ever be a day when we say, let's all get back to normal Will we always have to wear masks? No way. Will we ever be allowed to sing? Or even to shout or cheer in public again? Will crowds ever be allowed to gather in common areas and convention centers? Will those who go about living life normally always be shamed and called selfish and responsible? Let's get into our time machine for a moment and travel back to just one year. You remember that? Crowds gathered freely. Airports were hives of activity. Planes were packed with travelers. And concert halls were packed with eager listeners. Restaurants were full of diners. And churches were the faithful. Churches were with their faithful. People shook hands and hugged. Their beautiful faces uncovered for all to see. People laughed out loud. Choirs sang joyfully. And stadiums erupted with cheers after a score. That was a year ago. Now so many of you are cowering in fear. They view every human being they encounter as a potential source of grave illness or even death. He looks healthy, but I better stay away because he may be carrying COVID-19. Never mind a calculated calculation of relative risk. Every human contact might, propose, might pose as an accidental threat. Sorry about that. As a, uh, I cannot imagine anything more demonic than this sort of fear. Satan wants us to fear and even detest one another. Our relationship, communion with one another, is devastated by this extreme wariness. But I always hear all the time, this is a different virus. It's extremely potent. We have to do this. Again, I am neither a doctor nor a scientist, just a regular old person. And as such, I think we must count the other costs. There's more to life than just not getting sick and not dying. People have lost their jobs, food production has dropped, famine is just around the corner in some parts of the world. Routine medical care has been largely suspended. Important human events like weddings, funerals, sacraments, and cultural events have been curtailed, if not prohibited. Schools have closed and few have been permitted to have the courage to reopen. Yes, there's a cost to these losses as well. We have been through a tough flu seasons before without shutting the economy, shutting the country. I remember in 1968, that was a horrible year for the flus. Uh, the Hong Kong flu was raging. 100,000 Americans died from the flu that year. My grandfather was just a hard days laborer, but he was smart enough to, to you know, warn us about it. But neither the country nor the world shut down. The sick were isolated. The vulnerable were giving heightened protection. I remember seeing quarantine signs on the doors of some of the hospitals in my neighborhood. If someone had the flu, the the entire household was ordered to stay inside for two weeks. And that very visible sign was placed on the front door. Meanwhile, the healthy went about their work and life continued. Yes, the death toll was high, but everyone understood that life had to go on. Years ago, there were so many dangerous illnesses to be afraid of, smallpox, tuberculosis, polio. It takes courage to live, and people of the time had that courage. In the current pandemic, which is admittedly severe, we have quarantined the healthy along with the sick the resilient resilient, along with the vulnerable crippling fear has seized so many people and at some point fear begins to feed on itself we have shut down our economy depriving many of their livelihoods and of the dignity that comes from working from using their talents and from providing for their families it's dehumanizing the spirit i believe in the church collectively speaking We have, from my observation, have cowered and capitulated. We have not summoned people to trust in faith. We have hidden our teachings on the role of suffering in bringing forth holiness and future glory. We have not presented the theology of death and dying at a time when it is so needed. We have limited and even denied the sacraments to the faithful. Conveying the silent message that physical health is more important than spiritual health. In some churches, some dioceses uh, throughout the country, churches were locked. Confessions were forbidden. Even communions were impossible to even obtain. We've had pastors and priests who tried to supply words of wisdom and, and, and sermons to the faithful in a creative manner. And they were criticized by other pastors and priests and bishops and so forth. Some tried offering outdoor drive-in uh, masses or services and were met with rebuke. In some cases, they were forbidden by local authorities and many backed down in the face of this external pressure. While we could not recklessly disregard civil ordinances, too many of us were content to hunker down and forego public service services. We would not utter the biblical cry, "Do not be afraid out of fear of being called insensitive or irresponsible. This situation is unprecedented in my lifetime. So it is understandable that we struggle at first with what to do prudently. But now we must reflect on all that has happened and resolve never again to allow a governor or mayor to dictate whether, when, or how we may give service to God. Even if government officials can forbid large gatherings, it does not follow that the services cannot be provided at all via other means. I never refused sacraments when I had the chance. I also continue to to speak to people in the church throughout this period, always grateful to any pastor, priest that never forbade it or demanded that the church be locked. What then is to be our role as we go forward? Some universities and public schools have announced they will not reopen for normal in-person instruction in the fall. Will we simply follow along and refuse to reopen our schools? Or will we say to our faithful, the faithful people, that it is time to go forth into the world that has never been and will never be risk-free, balancing the needs of all against our fear of death? How long will we continue to offer services in the current limited fashion mask hide the beauty of the human visage and the sub subtleties of our expressions will we return to seeing one another smile frown laugh and cry will we go back to shaking hands hugging and touching one another will i be able to go to church without retreating immediately away in fear will parishioners Like me, be able to mingle and chat after service rather than running straight to our cars. What is our end game? Prudence has its place. But my concern is that we are allowing unrelenting fear to drive our response until we as a church, as Christians confronting this situation and man up as Christians should. Fear will masquerade as prudence, and folks like me will question whether we've gone too far, will be called irresponsible, and even reprehensible. For the time being, follow the recommended precautions, but ask yourself, when will this end, and who will get to decide that? The church, and each one of us, has a role to play in ending the fear that this pandemic has sent loose. COVID-19 can undoubtedly be a serious illness, but contracting it is far from an automatic death sentence. However, getting sick and even eventually dying is a part of living in this world. Some will call me insensitive for even mentioning this truth. But our parents, grandparents, and more distant ancestors went forth daily into the world that was far more dangerous than anything we have experienced. They lived life accepting both its blows and its blessings. What about us today? Is God no longer with us? Are sickness and death the worst fate? Or is crippling fear a far more painful and dehumanizing sentence? Isn't there more to living than just not dying or not getting sick? Will we as a church, as believers in God, be part of this conversation? Or will we remain fearfully silent? Will we simply reflect the beliefs and opinions of the current culture? Or will we influence it with a theology that insists that suffering and death have meaning and an important role in our lives? No doubt there are some who are listening who will think I'm very imprudent, irresponsible, and insensitive. I accept that. But my take is that fear is far more serious, is a far more serious ailment than COVID-19. Life is risky, but there is a greater room for us if we do not accept it and live anyway. At some point, we have to break out of the huddle and run the play. God will be with us.